Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Father Scott Trainer presents the great adventure of finding our true identity and real mission in life through a growing relationship with God who loves us. Hello, the sponsor for this talk is Ablaze. Ablaze is dedicated to forming youth ministers for parishes. At Ablaze, the focus is not only on the youth, but with the families and the youth leaders as well. As an Ablaze missionary, you will impact young people, helping them to understand that they are loved and not alone. You can learn more about Ablaze by visiting them on Mission Way. Our speaker for today is a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. He serves as the vicar for lay and clergy formation and is the executive director of Broom Tree Retreat Center. He has served as a pastor, a college chaplain, a seminary formator, rector, and as a judge for the Sioux Falls Marital Tribunal. He is an experienced retreat master and a spiritual director for priests, seminarians, and lay people alike. Please welcome Father Scott Trainer. Thanks, friends. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, I praise and thank you for the gift of my brothers and sisters. And I pray for them, and I pray for myself, that we may have a whole new lived experience of your love for us, your personal, unconditional, and infinite love beyond all we can ask or imagine. Lord, we find the truth of ourselves in your love for us, and we want to know who you have made us to be, that we can make an impact in our world. We thank you, Lord, for your great love, and we ask your Holy Spirit to bless us in this time together. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I've been a priest for 21 years, and I meet a lot of people. And when I meet people, one of my favorite questions to ask is like, hey, tell me all about yourself. I'm interested, who are you? And very often, people go immediately to what they do. I'm a student. I'm a lawyer. I drive truck. These are the things that I do. Today we want to talk about these important questions. Who are you? What makes you, you? What makes you the person that you are, unique and unrepeatable in the world? What are the things you do? And why do you do what you do the way that you do it? These are important questions which must have compelling answers if our daily life is to be marked by meaning and clear purpose, a sense of adventure and joy, peace and fulfillment. So I wanna talk today about relationship, identity and mission. So just at the beginning, just to talk about what do I mean by each of those things. When I refer to relationship, I mean the relationship of growing intimacy with God that God invites each one of us to. A growing daily personal intimate relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each day, God invites us to encounter his love and to choose freely to love him and love our brothers and sisters in response. By identity, I mean precisely understanding and being secure 
in the truth of who you are. Your worth and dignity, knowing your worth and dignity as a person, apart from accomplishments or failures, other people's opinions of you, your possessions, or anything else. And by our mission, I mean, what do we do in the world? God has created us, each of us, uniquely and unrepeatably, to have an impact in the world. And so what do my words and actions, where do they come from? What is the mission that God has chosen and entrusted to me? And what does that have to do with my relationship with him and who he's made me to be? So relationship, identity, and mission. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, relationship, identity, and mission are all rooted in an adventure of divine love. You know, we are made for love, we're made by love, and we're made for love. Our hearts are restless, as St. Augustine says, until they rest in God's love for us. So let's ask these important questions of Jesus. Jesus, who are you? So we're going to do a little Trinitarian theology here in about five minutes. Okay? So I, full disclosure, I went to theology school in Italy. My Trinity class was the first semester. Uh, it was in Italian, and I think I picked up most of the important parts. Uh, but I did understand that the Trinity involves the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as I look at this little picture, there are these relationships between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the solid lines in this picture are the expression of, a, of one of the persons of the Trinity making a gift of themselves in love to another person of the Trinity. And the dotted line represents receiving love that's been given from another person and then responding uh, with joy and gratitude with love for that person. So here's, this is how this goes. From all eternity, the Father loves the Son. When I love someone, I make a gift of myself, a free, total, faithful, life-giving gift of everything I am for their sake. So the Father gives himself entirely to the Son. He holds nothing back. The Son, for his part, receives everything he is from the Father and with freedom and gratitude and love, offers himself to the Father. The Father and the Son, we talk about this in the Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. So the Father and the Son, as if from a single source, make a gift of themselves to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit receives everything he is from the Father and from the Son, and loves the Father and loves the Son. So you can see that the persons of the Trinity are identified by the distinction of these relationships. Relationship uh, informs identity. So in the relationships of the Trinity, the Father is always making a gift of himself in love to the Son and with the Son to the Holy Spirit. The eternal Son, for his part, first of all, receives everything he is from the Father and then makes a gift of himself in love with the Father to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all about receiving and responding. He receives everything he is from the Father and the Son, and he loves the Father and he loves the Son. So there's a distinction in the persons of the Trinity who share the one divine nature according to their relationships. So we say in theology that the persons of the Trinity are distinct by the virtue of the relationship or their relationship of love with each other makes each person who they are. Jesus, of course, the eternal, what kind of, where my head kind of explodes in this is um, that this isn't, there isn't like, uh, a time where there's the Father 
and then he makes a gift of himself, and that's how the Son comes to be. This eternal communion of love, this mutual giving and receiving of love, these relationships are unfolding from all eternity, in fact. But it is the eternal Son who was born of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit and took our humanity to himself. So in the incarnation, when Jesus was born of Mary, God became man. The second person of the Trinity united our humanity to himself and lived our human life. That's why Jesus is the model of our life. In Jesus, I see the way I am meant to live. Namely, by first of all receiving God's love for me and then responding to that love in union with God. So Jesus, we see this all over the place. We see this all over the place in his public ministry in the gospel. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, The one who sent me, the Father, is true, and what I heard from him I tell the world. So Jesus in his mission, what is he preaching? What is he saying? That all comes from his relationship with the Father. I say what I've heard from the Father. He goes on, he says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am. Jesus knows who he is. When he says I am there, he's using the name of God that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush, the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh. And this is a, the holy name of God that devout Jewish people would never speak because they didn't want to take God's name in vain. And so Jesus knows who he is, that he is God. And then he goes to say, I do nothing on my own. I am, but I do nothing on my own, but I say only what the Father taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what is pleasing to him. So Jesus, in his miracles, in his preaching, in his teaching, uh, in his authority over evil spirits, lives in a communion of love with the Father. And that communion of love, which makes him who he is as the eternal son, the beloved son, informs and directs and sustains his mission, his teaching, his liberation from evil spirits, uh, his preaching, his miracles, and everything that he does. And when we see this evident in Jesus, we learn, we come to know God is showing us how we're meant to live day by day as well. This beautiful interrelationship of uh, relationship, identity, and mission uh, is summed up in Luke's gospel when Jesus returns from the temptations in the desert. And we hear that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the communion of love of the Father and the Son. A love so real, mutually given and received between the Father and the Son, that it's a third divine person, the Holy Spirit. And that is the power, the capacity for action of Jesus' whole ministry that we read about in the Gospels. And throughout the Gospels, we get glimpses of this communion of Jesus that's undergirding his whole life and ministry. So at the baptism and transfiguration, we hear the voice of the Father from heaven saying, you are my beloved son, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, right before he does so, he prays to the Father spontaneously, Father, I thank you for hearing me, I know that you always hear me. Right? As he asks that Lazarus be raised from the dead. When the apostles return from their first mission trip, and he, they're describing all that they've done in Jesus' name. He rejoices spontaneously in the Spirit, and he says, Father in heaven, I thank you that you revealed to little ones what you've hidden from the wise and the learned. At the cross, in the midst of suffering, Jesus cries out to the Father, 
Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he says things all throughout the Gospels like, the Father and I are one. I have life because of the Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It is the Father accomplishing his works in me. And a son can only do what he sees the Father doing. This, Jesus says these things over and over again. He's describing this beautiful reality that he knows who he is in the Father's love for him, in his communion of love with the Father, and everything he does flows out of that communion of love. So as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you and I are meant to live that mystery of relationship, identity, and mission. To know the truth of who we are in God's love for us, and then to be given away in love in the world, uh, inspired, directed, and sustained in our words and actions by that same love. So this is what this looks like for you and me. Uh, when I was showing you the communion of love of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, uh, that eternal uh, communion of love, exchange of love between the persons of the Trinity has a fancy name called perichoresis. It just means the mutual indwelling in love of the persons of the Trinity. But these realities in our life of discipleship are a kind of perichoresis. Namely, I receive everything I am. What makes me who I am is God's love for me experienced in relationship with him. So as I grow in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I learn the truth of who I am. And then I'm called, as God's beloved son or daughter, to be given away in love. And that's my vocational identity. And we'll say a little bit more about that, but there are really only two kinds of people in the world. Every person in the world is called to be given away in love. That's the mission of every human being. Some are called to be given away in love in a unique, exclusive relationship with one other person of the opposite sex in the holy vocation of marriage. Other people are called also to be given away in love, but given away in love in a universal way. And those are people who live the celibate vocations consecrated in chastity. Priests, brothers, sisters, nuns, consecrated persons who take vows of poverty and chastity and obedience. Every person made in God's image and likeness has a mission to be given away in love, but God has a plan of the way he created each one of us to be given away in love. A plan that um, God established for us as he knit us together in our mother's womb, as Psalm 139 says, as he created us each uniquely and individually, by which we'll find the most meaning and purpose and fulfillment and joy in our lives. So not everyone likes my squiggly diagrams of the Trinity, so let's use another image to describe this mystery. We are sailboats and not motorboats. So how do sailboats go? How do sailboats fulfill their mission? Well, they run up their sail and they receive the wind. So you're a sailboat, your heart is the sail, and the love of God poured out for you is the wind. And we are created in such a way that we will accomplish the purpose, our mission in life that makes a real and unrepeatable difference in the world if we again and again return to God to receive his love. Now, a sailboat is different from a motorboat. Motorboat, you can fill up the tank with gas and use that energy anytime you want. Turn the key, rolls to life, off you go in a motorboat. But we're not motorboats, we're sailboats. And sailboats only do anything when they are receiving the wind. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're meant to live in intimate and unceasing union with him. That our hearts are open to him at every moment, as at every moment, he pours his love into us. 
And as I receive his love, that love makes me who I am, his beloved son or daughter, and uh, establishes me in the vocation, the mission that he's prepared for me. So that what I do as a priest, I've been a priest for 21 years, uh, whatever I'm supposed to say or do in my day-to-day priestly ministry isn't me going off and trying to do good things on my own, but rather that my words and actions would be uh, inspired and directed and sustained by the love that God has for me. We are sailboats and not motorboats. A lot of times, even very um, you know, dedicated disciples of Jesus, they'll be like, okay, I have to go off and do good things each day, and then I got to come back and get refilled you know, in my daily time of prayer or on an annual retreat or going to a great conference like the Sea Conference here. But we're not meant to ever be on our own. Jesus is never alone. The Father's always with him. And he tells us that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. So let me share you a, a beautiful passage from the writings of Pope St. John Paul II in a document called The Redeemer of Man. And in number 10 of that document, he says these things. Man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself, and his life is senseless. I don't make sense to myself. My life doesn't make sense apart from God's love for me, is what he's saying. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in God's love, for him, life remains empty, senseless, and incomprehensible. But the good news is that God loves each one of us with a unique, I'm sorry, with an infinite and unrepeatable love and personal love. Jesus Christ, when I enter into his love, uh, Second Vatican Council taught us that Jesus Christ reveals God to man and man to himself. So when I look to Jesus and I receive his gaze of love upon me, I learn the truth of who I am. The man who wishes to understand himself thoroughly, if you really want to know your true identity, made in God's image and likeness as God's beloved son or daughter through baptism and in the vocation that God has prepared for you, if you want to know your true identities, um, the man who wishes to understand himself thoroughly and not in accordance with immediate, partial, or often superficial or illusory standards and measures of his being, he must, with his unrest, uncertainty, and even his weakness and sinfulness, with his life and death, draw near to Christ Jesus. So if I want my life to make sense, if I want my life to be an adventure full of meaning and purpose and making a real difference in the world, which is what God has intended for every one of us, if I desire those things, Whatever my fears, my uncertainties, my restlessness may be, the place for me to go is to Christ day after day, open my heart to him and allow him to reveal his love for me anew. The Pope goes on in that beautiful passage. He says, how precious must man be in the eyes of the creator? How much must God love you? How precious must man be in the eyes of the creator if he gains so great a redeemer and if God gave his only son in order that man should not perish but have eternal life. The heavenly father loves you so much that he gave his eternal son to live, to suffer and die and rise again so that you can be with God forever. That through Jesus, with him and in him, you can share in God's life forever. That's how much God loves us. 
And Jesus, the eternal son, loved us so much that he willingly fulfilled the father's will. He tells us, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. Jesus loves you so much. He's willing to lay down his life for you. He already has. And so especially in those places where we judge or condemn ourselves to be most unlovable, it's right there today that we want to ask God to reveal this love that makes us who we are. Jesus, I pray for anyone who's struggling with shame or self-recrimination or just beating themselves up because of some failure or a sin or other thing that has them greatly discouraged. That just in this moment right now, you would reveal your love in a whole new way for them. That they can experience your gaze of love upon them. JP2 concludes, he says, in reality, the name for that deep amazement at man's worth and dignity is the gospel. That is to say, the good news. It is also called Christianity. So if you were brushing your teeth in the mirror and you didn't get overwhelmed by the truth that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in God's love for you, well, there's something more for us to receive. And we want to receive that more and more. As I was preparing for uh, this presentation, I heard on the radio uh, an anthem, a song from a lot of years ago. This actually came out in 1991 or 92. It's a song by Radiohead called Creep. <laughs> okay. Now, this was like a slacker anthem in the 90s, uh, kind of an alt-rock song. Uh, I actually heard a cover of it from an acapella, acapella band called, uh, acapella group called Straight No Chaser. And I just want you to hear uh, these lyrics, because I think, unintentionally, they really speak to the importance. Why is it important to have a growing relationship with God's love for me so I can know the truth of who I am and that I can be given away in love with God and never apart from God? according to his plan of love for me. Why is that so important? So the song starts off uh, about this guy and his encounter with this woman who he is obviously infatuated by. He says, when you were here before, I couldn't look you in the eye. So right there is a response of shame. When I don't know who I am in the truth of God's love for me, I am vulnerable to shame, to kind of a self-recrimination and a self-rejection. And he speaks of this woman he's seen. He says, you're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. I hope you can hear the song in your, <laughs> in your ears as I'm talking about it. I won't uh, attempt to sing it. Well, that's lovely, somewhat poetic, but it's also uh, an expression of like infatuation and idolatry. He has this person who, like, I mean, some people have beautiful skin, but it doesn't make me weep, Right? <laughs> This is an exaggeration of the goodness of the other. And then, when he's in that infatuated overinflation of the goodness of the other person, the shame comes around, and he ends up in comparison and self-recrimination and self-rejection. So, you float like a feather in a beautiful world. Your skin makes me cry. I wish I was special. You're so very special. But I'm a creep, and I'm a weirdo. People fall into a lot of comparison. If I don't know who I am in God's love for me, I am vulnerable to going into comparison, to try to find a sense of identity and goodness in myself by comparing myself to others. And that is a trap and a burden, and it brings a lot of mis misery that I think is uh, aptly expressed in the lyrics of this song. So the lyrics go on. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. There's the absence of a sense of mission, 
kind of floating around aimlessly without a sense of clear purpose or where I'm going to move forward. That shame and aimlessness, that lack of identity that goes into shame and comparison also has an expression in self-destructive self-reliance. So the lyrics go on. I don't care if it hurts. I want to have control. I want to have a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I want you to notice when I'm not around. Hear the misery of that self-focus. See, when I'm living the adventure of relationship, identity, and mission in God's love, I have this holy self-forgetfulness. I'm captivated by the beauty of God. I'm amazed again and again by God's love for me. And as I remain in that love, my life makes sense. I know what I should be doing and I have what I need to accomplish it because it's God's love at work in me and not me relying on myself. In those times that I forget about that, which happens, I tend to turn in on myself. I tend into these dynamics of shame and comparison. I can try to spend a bunch of energy to try to figure out and fix it. But I'm always brought back to the sense of aimlessness or lack of purpose and insecurity. The, creep, the refrain comes back in, you're so very special, I wish I was special, but nope, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. The lyrics are talking about lies that uh, the guy believes about himself. And then it ends up in rejection. She's running out the door. That's how the song ends. And it is true that if I look to another purpose to fulfill that place in my heart that's meant for God's love, if I want to discover or have a sense of identity from another human person, I'm going to crush that person with the weight of that burden that they are not meant to bear. So, God loves each one of you with an infinite and unconditional and personal love. You are a masterpiece of that love, a unique and unexpression, a unique and unrepeatable expression of God's love in the world. There's no one who has ever lived or is living now or who will ever live that can replace you. These days, uh, growing out of like Bitcoin and blockchain technology, we have these non-fungible tokens, NFTs. And their value is that they are, because of this uh, encryption technology that they're based on, that they are unrepeatable. And they're sold for millions of dollars as they're attached to a piece of art or some piece of celebrity memorabilia. You are unique and unrepeatable. And you can't be bought or sold because you are a beloved child of God in Jesus Christ. So if you want to live that adventure of growing intimacy with God so that you can know the truth of who he's made you to be in the world and have his love reveal the plan by which he uh, has created you to be given away in love, your mission in the world, here are a few things I would suggest. Number one, cultivate solitude. I want to say a word about solitude. Solitude is not loneliness. Loneliness is an emotion. I feel it in my emotions. Loneliness is a feeling that I'm all alone. You can be in a big group of people and still be lonely, feel lonely. Solitude is not isolation. Isolation is when my feeling of loneliness is met by a judgment that my loneliness will not change. It's only going to get worse and I'm stuck in it. That's isolation. But that is a judgment of my reason or intellect. Solitude, on the other hand, is the free choice to be alone with God. Solitude is the knowledge 
and the felt experience and the free choice to spend time alone with God. St. John Paul II, again, in his Theology of the Body, talks about some really important things that happen when we enter into solitude. So just think of taking some time aside for a time of personal prayer throughout the day. As you come to Mass, in all the ways, as you sit down and read some scripture, all the ways that we encounter God, God who is love, who pours his love into our hearts. He says, in the experience of original solitude, as we read about in Genesis 2, what do we discover? As I choose to go to pray, spend time alone with God and open my heart to him, what do I discover? I discover myself, first of all, to be a person, a person who is made for communion alone with God. My true nature and my identity is received as I experience the outpouring of God's love for me in solitude. Secondly, in a freely chosen aloneness with God each day and over time, I discover that prior to my call to live in communion with other human people, I am, I am endowed with an inalienable dignity that God who knit me together in my mother's womb has created me as a unique and unrepeatable expression of his love in the world. Also in solitude, uh, I discover my complete dependence on God. When I stand before God, I'm especially aware that I didn't create my life. My life is a gift from God who loves me, and God who loves me is with me at every moment of my life so that as I say yes to his love, if I say a free yes to his love, I can live for him live with him forever in heaven. These are important things that we easily forget. We easily um, are drawn to substitutes that don't tell us the truth of who we are, uh, nor do they empower us for the mission that God has given us in the world. So I encourage you to cultivate uh, a daily habit of prayer. Get a prayer buddy who also wants to grow in that daily personal encounter with God. Not prayer is just like, oh, I got to sit down and check it off and kind of get through my prayers. But prayer is an invitation to a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with God who loves you. Secondly, uh, ask God to reveal to you your, your vocational identity. Every one of us are made in God's image and likeness. We have our foundational human dignity. Every one of us who've been baptized have been reborn in Christ as a son or daughter of God through adoption in Jesus Christ. And God has a vocational identity either in marriage or priesthood, or the consecrated life planned for each one of us. A stable plan of his love by which we are meant to be given away in love in the world because we're made in God's image and likeness. You want to ask God to show you what that is. It's much more important than what college I choose or what major I'm pursuing or a lot of other important choices in my life. The most important thing is to know in the light of God's love, God, who have you made me to be? And then in terms of mission, to ask God each day, God, show me what it looks like to love my brothers and sisters. You know the great commandment, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a great thing to do to ask God, God, show me how I can express love to a person around me today. Every person you encounter needs to experience more of God's love. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit is at work in us to make of us cooperators. Uh, co-laborers with God in expressing his love for our brothers and sisters. Friends, um, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a unique and unrepeatable expression of God's love in the world. 
And God has a mission for you to be given away in love according to your vocation that will make an unrepeatable difference in the world. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, I pray again in thanksgiving for my brothers and sisters. May we experience the full measure of your love, the height and depth and breadth and length of your love beyond all we can ask or imagine so that we may know more and more truly each day who you have made us to be as your beloved sons and daughters and we may be equipped and in relationship with you to love our brothers and sisters with your own love. We thank you, Lord, that each of these men and women are fearfully and wonderfully made and we ask these blessings in your name, Jesus, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.